hard work makes a champion and hard work makes you so confident that nobody can beat you. And that was literally what the McClintock mentality is. Welcome to Unspoken Bravery. I'm your host, Erin Milzinski, a multiple time Olympian. Skiing started as my first love and quickly became my greatest teacher. This podcast is meant to take a deep dive behind the capes of our everyday superheroes and find out what's under the brave spirits, the fearless feats, and the nerves of steel. It's normal to feel fear. Hardships lurk around every corner, and yet these roadblocks can be met with a challenger's mindset and turned into wonderful gifts. It's time to celebrate imperfections, to build bravery from setbacks, and to take our goals to the next level. So let's dive right in. Welcome to Unspoken Bravery, Whitney McClintock-Rini. Hey, it's so good to be here. I'm so excited you're here. Our history goes so far back, which we'll get yeah. to later, but I'm going to try something a little different. Um, would you mind telling us who you are, what you do? Brief summary, Cole's Notes, Whitney McClintock-Rini. <laughs> um, I'm Whitney McClintock-Rini. I am a nine-time world champion water skier. I am married to Matt Reedy. Um, I have a little two-year-old named Zane, and he's the light of my life. I've been water skiing since I was six. Well, a lot earlier than that, but like competing since I was six and moved to Florida when I was 12 to pursue skiing more full time and went to the University of Central Florida, got a bachelor's degree in science uh, in sports and fitness, have done absolutely nothing with that degree other than I think it helped me in my sport a little bit. And then got married to Matt in 2017, got my real estate degree actually that same year. Or sorry, it wasn't a degree, but I got like my real estate license. And then I've been doing real estate for five years now. And it's kind of just like hobby real estate, but it is something that I really enjoy doing. And it's like kind of setting me up for my future life, hopefully. <laughs> um, and my life right now just consists of going to the lake every day. Zane's with me. Um, Matt is my coach, so I get to be there with him all the time. And um, I do real estate a lot on the side because I really enjoy just like looking. And if someone else is not interested in buying, I'm interested in buying. So I'm kind of that's where I'm at right now. Like I'm just trying to find a place that I want to buy in this crazy high market with high interest rates. And it's um, it's been a challenge. But anyway, that's who I am. And I'm so excited to talk to you today. I know me too. That's what I was saying. Everything, every time I talk to someone, I get something huge out of it. And it's also really enjoyable and kind of like reconnects us because so Whitney and I were friends. We both started skiing, I think before we were two and then started mm -hmm. competing at six. I'm one year younger, which now doesn't matter, but when you're younger, it's like everything's a little bit later, but basically since we were six, we were kind of attached at the hip. Like we tell people we were sisters. We were always competing like at the beginning, neck and neck. And then you pulled significantly yards, light years away, but it was really cool growing up with you. And I think that like in this crazy life, when you're growing up, we were kind of each other's constants when we're like, Oh, leg hair. What do we do with that? Like, Oh, I just got my period. <laughs> what do I do with that? Yes. that it was, um, it was really cool growing up together. And I always say I was a water skier first. 
mm-hmm. maybe more talented at water skiing. Obviously I chose the snow, yes. but I think it was water skiing that shaped my work ethic. Cause you work yeah. so hard. Yeah. You're definitely a huge part of my story too. And <laughs> I think about you a lot, just like in everyday life, like when I'm reading my Bible, we used to read our Bibles together. <laughs> Just like cute little things like that. But um, I knew I was going to get emotional for some reason. (laughs) I've been emotional the last few days. Like I watch TV and a commercial comes on and I'm like, oh, Lenny, going to start the waterworks. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think for us, like we were super close. And then like water skiing, like water skiing took me to Florida and the snow took you away from me. (laughs) Like You know, I feel like, you know, we were special. Yeah. I think that's the best way to explain it. And the more I look back, the more I realize how special it was to have this each other, but then this group of athletes like Amanda and Karen and Jason, your brother, and having this group of athletes to kind of go through those developmental years because they're not easy. You're trying to be a world-class athlete. I mean, you made the national team for your first world championships, like elite world championships, like of elite skiers, not juniors at 13, Yeah, Yeah. you know, so we're getting drug tested. You are an elite athlete at 13 plus, you know, you're dealing with all these things. Who am I boys, everything. And I think it was so special to have each other and have that group. I think our group, I mean, I I think in every sport, you're going to have a group of kids and I think in water skiing still, there's a group of kids that are coming up together and they're like super close. And, but I mean, we competed together, we trained together. We, yeah, like you said, we did everything. Um, we had snack, like we have like certain snacks I eat that I think of you, you know, but our group of, of skiers, I think you and I as a base and Jason and Jenna as a base, like our brother and our sister, like we were so competitive against each other that it just like putting us together to train just made us that much better and then stevie came along and we were competing against stevie and then amanda and karen were there like just a little bit below our level you know and it it always just kept us going and i think that gave us the competitive nature that we have like had they not been there maybe if you weren't there i certainly wouldn't have been the athlete that i am today because you ran this long course in front of me for the first time And that was the day I ran it for the first time. (laughs) Like, that's not something I forget because that was significant in my life. I mean, the first time you run this long course is the beginning of your career. And you showed me how to do it. A little five-year-old came to do it and this six-year-old couldn't do it or whatever, you know? So that was huge to have you. And then same thing, it was, it pushed us through every stage. With Jenna, I was always trying to get to Jenna's level in skiing and you were always trying to push to our, you know, and you and I were at the same level for a very long time. You were even better than me at some points, but it's just, you need to have something to work towards. And for some reason we were just giving each other like, yeah, I like, like thinking a of it like that. Huge blessing to yeah. um, catapult us in the direction. And then, I mean, like I said, God took me to Florida to water ski and God took you to the snow and that's where we thrived. And we made, amazing careers. Like you're a four-time Olympian and I'm, I've been to world championships like every two years since I was 13, you know, and I was on the podium for 10 years straight and, um, I'm still able to compete. Like I I still have 
hopefully a couple more world championships in me, but like my sport just has a little bit more longevity to it than yours does. But I imagine a lot of times like where you would have been (laughs) along the way um, in my journey. Like, I think I still would have been a better slalom skier, but I think that you would have been like, I think you would have jumped 200 feet. Like it's been done now by a woman and it just was done last year. And like, that was your dream when you were little, like you always wanted to go 200 feet. And I feel like you would have been one of the greatest jumpers of all time if you chose water skiing, but then you wouldn't have been a four-time Olympian. So, (laughs) yeah. And it's hard to say what if, what if, you know, at the moment I was like, this is my, this is my path, but I'm glad you brought that up because I don't really have, my parents love to ski, but I don't have a huge skiing legacy, like the McClintock name and your family. And I'm like, I was fighting with that because I was, I was thinking of, you know, as soon as you put on skis, you kind of knew I want to be a world champion. You know, your uncle and your aunt were world champions. And I never remember having that. I never remember these huge goals, even being an Olympian. I was like, I'm just going to put one foot in front of the other. Like, I hope I go. But I think as you said that this light bulb went off because I'm like, maybe I didn't have these goals of maybe that's where I got a little lost along the way because I didn't have these goals of medals as much as like, I'm going to be the first woman to jump 200 feet. That was like my biggest, you remember that? And I didn't even remember that. And that was so, but how important is that legacy? Like how much pressure, did it put pressure on you? I don't think it put pressure on me, but I also think that I was like born and bred to be a water skier. Like there was really no option for me. Like you did gymnastics and you swam and slowly you whittled your way down to one sport. Whitney was not allowed to do any other sports. We yeah. were, Whitney and Jason were water skiers. Jason was a, a Canadian boy who never played hockey. <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense. Yes, we snow skied in the winter, but my dad didn't want us to have the life that he lived with um, competing all winter in snow skiing and competing all summer in water skiing. So he just decided for us very early that water skiing was going to be what we did. And we literally like lived and breathed it. And we went to Florida in the winters to water ski. And that was, I mean, my life was to water ski, whereas you had other options in your life. So, so I think that's in one way, really nice that you get to like explore your, your sports, you know, a little bit. Um, but in the other sense, because we were so driven into water skiing, like six sets a day when we were young. And like, that's what I did a long time before you came along. And then a long time after you left, you know, mm-hmm. like we, we just skied like all the time. And my dad knew that hard work makes a champion and hard work makes you so confident that nobody can beat you. And that was literally what the McClintock mentality is. Like you wake up at 6am, you ski twice before you eat breakfast and you jump as early as you can on Pushner's Lake so the wind doesn't come up. And then you trick at the end of the day when all the boats come out, you know, because you don't need perfect conditions for tricking. But I mean, my dad was like hardcore. Like he made us work really hard. And it's not even something that now you look at ski school. Now people come and they may do four sets a day. And that's a lot for these kids when they're coming to ski school. They're not putting in the hours that we did. Their trick sets are 15 to 20 minutes long. Ours were like 30 to 45 minutes long, (laughs) you know, back in the day. So I can see how the making of a champion, like my dad just basically made us champions. He made us 
brother and sister champions too, because he's the constant. I mean, he was the one who was always there, always working with all four of us in our family who are world champions, because Jason's been on the national team and we've been world champions too. And I mean, he did a really good job of just instilling hard work and that hard work turned into confidence that was like unbeatable in competitions for us. So, I mean, I'm super thankful for what he did. And I don't think it added pressure to me. Yes, at times it did. There were times when I first moved to Florida that I would get caught up in still trying to beat the Milzinskis. And someone had to shake me and say, I think Matt actually did. He's like, you are beyond that level now. Like you can't look backwards. You need to look forward to where you're going, not look backwards to where like you were. As harsh as that may sound, but I, I, that was when the difference was made. Like when I moved to Florida, I was able to train way more and come to a completely different level of my sport. Um, and I did at that point be, move beyond you and um, Jenna in the sport. And it like, it was the next level, you know, and it's, yeah. I've just had people in my life who have guided me in a way that helped me to realize that kind of the sky's the limit. You can make your goals like Busher, um, our team coach manager who just retired now, he taught us how to make goals and how to accomplish those goals. And I've just had like people along the way who have made everything kind of just fit in, fit together. And I think with all of those little puzzle pieces, it has given me confidence. And when you have pressure, you can still perform. So yes, maybe I had pressure, but at the end of the day, I was taught how to perform under pressure and how to, I mean, become the athlete and accomplish all the things that I've accomplished. Yeah. And that's, so there's this thing, Lenny and I, it's a coin term, a Lenny and Aaron coin term, but we call it the winner's mindset. And I think you have it, Lenny and I don't have it. And maybe that was a difference maker, but it's kind of this mindset where you have confidence no matter what, you know, it's, something can go wrong and you know, the next day is going to get better or someone does something to you and you're kind of like hungry to prove them wrong instead of believing what they said. It's just like yeah. undying confidence, even being realistic when sometimes it's your equipment or sometimes it's the wind or sometimes, you know, cause I know Lenny would sit there and be like, I was, I sucked today. And I'm like, well, your wax was really bad today. Like the whole team, you could see it, but he would never blame anything. And then but sometimes realistically, mm -hmm. you have to look at it and be like, I couldn't figure out my equipment. But that makes a lot of sense that maybe because, you know, my parents, it's like so much support so young. Like I never really yeah. had that pressure as a child, which maybe mm -hmm. I was never like, I'm going to be world champion. I was just like hungry to learn and hungry for more. And then when the pressure set in, I was a lot older. So maybe it's almost like a blessing to have that unspoken pressure of family legacy young because you learn to deal with it. And then all of a sudden I'm 19, 20 learning to deal with it, but I'm already on the world cup podium. You know, I'm not yeah. seven years old saying I'm going to follow in my, you know, aunt's amazing footsteps. Maybe that's where, because Lenny's teammate, Alex Harvey, his dad was the best cross country skier for years. And Alex has this amazing winner's mm -hmm. mindset at everything, surfing, like mm -hmm. ball games, making like everything. Yeah. Um, and he's the bet now the son, Alex is the best cross country skier in Canada that we've ever seen. Yeah. And I'm always like, Oh, was it 
how was growing up? There must've been so much expectation, but maybe that expectation makes you great. Yeah, maybe. I mean, when I think of, (laughs) it's so funny because I've watched your career, obviously as a huge supporter from the other side, like you always wanted to be an Olympian and as a water skier, that was never going to happen. So you got to do that. Um, But I, I often did think, like she's coming up short of what she's capable of. I know she's capable of winning. I know that she's fast enough in practice because she talks about it. And I actually have heard from like people through people through water skiing from snow skiing that you were even faster than Michaela a lot in practice. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, why is she not winning? You know, but in my mind, I was like, I beat that girl down so hard because I was so competitive when I was seven, eight, nine, 10, I wouldn't be your friend when you beat me. Like, do, I don't know if you remember that, <laughs> yeah, but I remember. like I would lock myself in a car and I would like just be a little miserable little brat, you know, if you beat me. And that's not exactly a very supportive friend, you know, that, that was not conducive to your competitiveness as such a nice person that you are. Like you're like one of the nicest people on the planet. And I am not, <laughs> I, mean, I think I've, I've gotten nicer over the years, but I think being competitive, you have to also be kind of not a very nice person. And all that to say is I do agree with you and Lenny about this winning mindset thing, because either some people have it, people who come through our ski school, some people have it and some people don't like right now we have the best um, overall skier in the world um, at the right now, like Joel Poland, he's breaking the world record. He's incredible. He's, he won the world, but like, I mean, Jarrett was like the best, the best of all time. You know, like he hasn't hit that yet, level yet, but he's like, just got the mindset to just win. Like he doesn't care if he has a bad day. He's always able to switch. He's constantly studying. He's constantly like, and he works harder than anybody I know. I mean, he skis more than anybody I know. So I think it's a combination between the commitment to training and the, there is a thing though. There is like this, mm-hmm. I this think thing, so. the winning mindset that you're saying there is for sure. And it's not always able to be turned on because I'm not invincible yet. <laughs> I wish yeah. that I could. I mean, I think it can be switched on at all times. I listen to Tony Robbins quite a bit. I'm trying to attend one of his seminars. Um, I've had a Tony Robbins coach a couple years ago I did, but that was the year I got pregnant. So I haven't been able to like practice it while I was competing, but I'm super interested in it because Tony Robbins like says that you can turn it on. Like if you've experienced it in the past, you can turn it on. It's a state that you can get yourself into and you can perform at that level. So I've experienced it so many times in my life where it's like a clutch moment and I, there's a secret recipe to getting into that moment again. And for me, I have been thinking about it a lot this week, actually, because I had this past weekend, I competed at Jack Travers, where one year ago at the world championships, I had like the world's nastiest crash on my slalom ski. I got a concussion, fractured my eye. And like that shook me huge because a year after having a baby, I was finally getting back to where I wanted to be. And then I had this horrible crash. And then it took a long time to get the confidence back again, to shake all the fears away and like get back to where I wanted to be. So anyway, this weekend I've avoided skiing there um, for the whole year because I knew I was going to have flashbacks and stuff. But 
leading up to it this week, I have been listening to Tony Robbins and trying to get myself like in the right spot. And I, so I have been thinking back to like the worlds in 09 when I won the worlds for the first time and like stepping off the dock for tricks. The score came up at like 8,600 points. And my PB at the time was like 88. And I couldn't possibly miss a trick in order to win the worlds. And I smiled at That's Matt crushing. in the boat as I stepped off the boat. As I stepped off the dock, I smiled at him like, we got this. Like, I'm not even worried about it. It's like forcing me into a corner to be the best that I possibly could be. And I smiled about it. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, um, I was thinking back to these moments where in my life. And there is a, a recipe. Like for me, smiling is a huge part of my success in this sport. And smiling also comes from confidence. And the more I feel like happy when someone else does well, it's a sign that I'm super confident. And um, I think for me, that's like secret sauce, you know, like to be an encourager and to be able to compete at a super high level. But in order to be there, you have to put in the time and energy before you get to that moment. Yeah. And I always found that too, that I would compete better if I wasn't defending if I was like moving towards something, like I wasn't stopping myself out of fear of not performing or not, you know, getting 6,800 points, you know, like yeah. there's fear there, but if you're like, I'm going to move towards this. Like we talked a lot about that with my sports site, like really have that challenger's mindset. Like this is a challenge and I'm so excited to step into it instead of like defending against it. But sometimes it's hard you know, sometimes yeah. it's hard to get in that spot or sometimes someone's beating you and you're like, oh, this yeah. person is mean to me or they said this to me. And sometimes I want my skiing to, you know, I'm not one to like tell people off or like to be upset yeah. at them. So I'm like, I'm just going to let my spe skiing speak. But, you know, that's a lot of pressure for the skiing. And I was not right. moving towards something, you know, I was moving away from that confrontation or moving away in fear of, but it, it is, it's just like, I don't even know if it's like, we call it like flow state. I don't know what they say in water skiing, but, and there's so many times in training, I wasn't beating Michaela Schifrin. She's out real, but so many times, like every day in training, basically I would hit flow state, like just this world slowed down. I'm going super fast, but everything was moving super slow, reached it sometimes in racing, not often. But as I was talking to a few people on my podcast, it's like, the amount of people that have performed when they're super sick, like, mm -hmm. like the greatest uh, British skier of all time, just won one of the biggest races in uh, Alpine skiing. And he's like, I was so sick. I was just happy to be able to breathe at the bottom. But he's like, I couldn't even think about performing. I was just thinking about, you know, skiing and getting down there. And I think sometimes it's like how we deal with the tough times to not to just have it be a normal state, you know, like I'm just going to go and compete. But I think it's like you said, smiling's interesting because I heard an interview that you did and you're part of this amazing push. And I think you should be really proud of it, of female water skiing in the world, because, you know, you're the best in Canada. You have been there a long time and you're pushing mm -hmm. forward. And now all of a sudden it I think two events, my stats could be wrong, but I follow as much as I can, but I think two events, there were three to four girls running into 41 off and you got in the water as the top ranked skier, knowing three before you had run into 41, which is like for fellow water Never skiers, 41 is like, yeah. yeah, this is crazy. 
outrageous. Well, offers the world record pass just yeah. for people to hear. And yeah. you get in the water and you're not like defeated. You know, you're not like three girls excited. just ran for me. Yeah. And you look <laughs> at the boat the drive and you're thing. like, no losers today. Like we exactly. all win. Yeah. Which is really cool. But it kind of brings me to another point and we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but women in sport, you know, I think sometimes we're kind of placed against each other. We think that there's like a finite number of spots, but as you move through your career, you're, you have this huge push. You're like supporting other athletes is actually good for your game. And you also compete against your stepdaughter, but how do you think, you know, how do you think that you've evolved with kind of women supporting women in this sport, in the sporting world, I guess, not just water skiing. Yeah, I think, where do I begin? I mean, in water skiing specifically, I'll start there just because that's my world. I would say that over the years, I've def- my, my mind has shifted from it's all about me and all about my success to, I mean, the sport as a whole, it's amazing to see the sport moving forward. And I think it's easier to see this from my perspective, like Regina and I are on a different page now. Like we, that's what kind of we agree on that we've been through like the climb and we are, have made our way to the top of our sport. And now we're watching other girls climb (laughs) up to us, you know, and it's actually super cool to watch from this side. Cause I think the climbing part is like super intense for people. And it's really hard to, for me, it was really hard to, be in the climb because I wanted to be there so badly. But from this side, there's really nothing more that I need to accomplish in my sport. Like one thing, I want to run 41 off. And that's like the one thing left that I need to accomplish for me to feel like closed, you know, closed chapter. But there's really nothing else that I need to accomplish as far as winning um, world championships. Like I've done everything that needs to be done. And so for me to be able to encourage the other girls to get there, I wouldn't say that I'm like in the trenches coaching my competitors to like get to my level yet. (laughs) Yeah. But it is really cool for me to be able to support them in like, tell them they're doing a great job. Like legitimately, I can tell them they did a great job when they run 39. And um, like I tied with Jamie a couple of weeks ago and she came out on top and I didn't feel like, oh, I'm such a loser for losing to Jamie Bull, even though she was a kid, you know, when I was running 39 for the first time. But it's cool to see from this side, my sport advancing, and I can see the men's side of sport advancing too. And it's just, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily about being women in sport or not, but I do enjoy also coaching women in our sport. I've I've had a lot of women's weeks in the past. I kind of stopped them with when I had Zane, because it's kind of crazy to try and do all the things that I'm trying to do um, with Zane. But I really do enjoy and miss my women's weeks and coaching women. Um, There's just a special bond, I think, that I'm such an encouraging person that it's a way for me to like support women in our sport and help them feel like rock stars for running the course for the first time and like stuff like that. Outside of my sport, I do follow some other athletes, but mostly I follow you like as a different athlete. I mean, there's a couple other, like a para shredder I follow. Um, she's like a amputee athlete who snowboarded at the Olympics. I don't know if, I don't even know her first name, but anyway, and then there are other athletes. Like I have a, an amp, 
the, a woman who has come to my women's weeks, her name's Alicia, and she has one arm. She was born with one arm and she is now the world record holder in her, in slalom skiing for her, um, like, yeah, you were part of that. Yeah. Like I watched her when she couldn't run the slalom course and just seeing the evolution of her, like getting the right equipment to help her, you know, cause at first she was skiing, she has an elbow. So at first she was skiing like with her arm attached to the handle, but now she met another skier who has like an extension. So she can actually have like her oh, arm yeah. straight and just hold on on the extension so she can hand release and all this stuff. But anyway, it is super cool to see people progress in sport regardless. And I think supporting women is important because we, I don't think that women, like we were, I don't think we we're ever meant to go to war. We weren't always involved in sports. So we're just like a little bit further behind in like the sporting world. It's not to say that eventually we won't catch up to the guys maybe, but our physical like bodies are not as like strong, you know? So I think that women naturally are supposed to be more encouragers and nurturers and lovers. And, you know, we're not the, the gritty man, like that's not us. So I think that um, when we are able to encourage each other, it's going to allow us to enjoy sport and and allow other women to be involved. And I don't think that it's necessarily something that we need to do forever. You know, like it's okay to do sport for a time and then move on. And I think it's easier for men to do sport for a longer period of time. But my perspective on like feminism and stuff might be a little bit different than yours, but I'm definitely not a feminist. Um, but I, I do believe in encouraging other people and encouraging women specifically, but I don't, I don't know that like my feelings about women in sport are necessarily the same as yours. Yeah. I think I come from a different place too, because for my sport, probably a lot of people don't know this, but there's this maybe unspoken, what's it called? What's the right word? Like a curse. If you get married, you'll be slow. Uh, That's what they say. So a lot of women don't want to get married and ski, you know, coaches are like, Oh, don't do it in your career. You'll, you'll get slow. And you know, when you've worked your whole life for this career, you're like, I can't take a chance, even though it's, you know, and I don't know if it's because it's not proven at all. I don't know why they say that. Right. But then the other thing is if you get pregnant in my sport, other than two or three women that I can think of at the moment in my life span of being on world cup. If you get pregnant, you're done Yeah. in my sport. Yeah. Um, you got pregnant two months later, you competed one year yeah. later, you won a pro event. Yeah. Followed it up with the best season of your life. Yeah. And like you said, the gnarliest crash and getting back on the water after such a gnarly crash to continue competing or try to that I think it might come from a bit of a different place. And like, we're very even with pay on Alpine, but there's still a little bit like, oh, girls mature faster. So um, criterias are girls have to reach it two years earlier. And if Hmm. you get pregnant, it's basically like the end of your career. And of course there's these like unspoken curses. Yes. That's interesting because my aunt, Became a world champion in 85 without children. And then in 95, she became a world champion again. And she had three children. 
<laughs> imagine. Um, imagine that. But that was the story I got for my whole life. And then there's Karen Trulove and April Kobel-Eller who had children and like literally still had the best seasons of their lives after that. So for me, I wanted to reach a place in overall where I could put an end to my overall skiing because I really do believe that once you have children, your body changes. My joints certainly have changed. Breastfeeding certainly takes a huge toll on your body in every way, but I think your joints specifically. So I wanted to stop jumping at that point Um, and tricking I did for overall. It was never really a true passion. I was the best in the world. I won the world's once. I had a couple good seasons of tricking um, when I was young, but so much work too to put it in. Yeah, it's three it's just events. a lot of time. Yes, it was a lot of time. And for me, I wanted to win the world one more time in overall. I would have loved to have had the world overall record. I had it pending at one point, but it didn't get ratified um, because of one trick that I didn't do credit. But I would have loved that. But overall, I was ready to be done, draw that line in the sand, and then move to the next chapter. And for me, moving to the next chapter, I was able to still slalom ski. And maybe for you guys, because of the danger of your sport and the risk of and the change to your joints and your hormones and all of that, I don't think slalom skiing is nearly as like hard on your body. You guys more compared, I think, to jumping with like the amount of intensity that you guys take on your bodies. So I can see how your sport is a little bit different than my sport because I wouldn't want to go jumping like as far as I can anymore. And as a whole, our sport has seen a huge increase in um, injuries this year. When the women start pushing to 180 feet, it just seems like the body doesn't want to go that far without a whole lot of extra like work off the water. So, and I think Mm -hmm. these girls are working off the water, but when you go, it seems that once these girls are hitting that 180 barrier, they just start getting like picked off like flies, like they're a knee injury. And then the next week, another injury, like we have so many injuries in the sport right now. And it's specifically in jumping. Whereas with falling, I feel like it's a little bit um, safer, but I also did have that belief growing up that you can actually do better after having a child. And that's what I experienced that first year after having Zane. And then I had my injury, which was like a whole nother comeback moment that has kind of stunted, like my whole plan was to have another kid after that world where I hurt myself. And at that moment, I was like, there's no way I'm not, I haven't accomplished everything I'm ready to accomplish, you know? And I kind of feel like doing it again, the thought of doing it again, like starting from zero again is exhausting. And I don't really want to have to come back again. You know, Mm -hmm. like I want, if I want to have another child, I want to accomplish everything I want to accomplish before that moment. So it is hard to try and balance because being a mom is hard and every stage has a different struggle to it. So year one is like no sleep, but year two is like, now I have a toddler and I literally can't sit down ever. Like, yeah, yeah. like this is the longest I've sat down in a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> because at 630 this morning, he goes, I'm going to go see daddy. Okay, great. Let's go downstairs. Like, okay, I Let's have go to downstairs train later. And see daddy. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, it's just nonstop after that. Mommy, I want to play. Mommy, I want to go to the sandbox. Mommy, I want to go on the slide. Okay. I'm, I'm just here for you. Like I'm here. I'll just follow you around all day long. It's yeah. hard. Yeah. How has your training and everything? Cause when you first had Zane, I was like, oh my gosh, like we're both elite af- athletes, different sports. And I'm like, if I couldn't sleep, I couldn't perform. And if I, oh, yeah. if I missed 
three work. I was like very regimented with my workouts. Like you work out twice a day, you do it for this time. You hold your Mm -hmm. squat for this amount of minutes. You take this amount of rest. I was like very regimented. I was like, I couldn't imagine. And then I like loved watching your journey. I loved watching your journey, like thinking about me in the future being a mom, but also like cheerleader for you from the sidelines. Um, But seeing you balance it because it's like real estate is a job. People do it in itself. Mom, it's a job. Like it's hard and it's things we don't even like hormones and lack of sleep and following them around and dangers and things that you can't even imagine until I can't imagine I'm still not a mom. But then you're winning pro events at world championships, balancing all of this. And like, how did your training mindset, everything have to shift like transition? Cause now I'm in a transition and I'm like, Oh my gosh, what's my life. And then I yeah. just think today I'm like, wow. you like, you just had a huge transition. Yeah. I mean, I think that for me, the biggest thing that I can remember is now I'm, I'm just skiing. Like this is my time. Like I get to go water skiing now, mm. but like leading up to it, like you, I warm up before I go skiing. And that was the hardest part for me to like get myself in the right physical state and the right mental state to go skiing. And then I, I mean, skiing is not a long thing, you know, it's like 15 minutes and I'm done for the day. And for me, it was like, yeah, you're way low on sleep and sleep is super important to me. Like I can, I could sleep for nine, 10 hours at night. Mm, And then when I came home from skiing, I would maybe work out, but then I would, most of the time I just like veg out on the couch like that. I didn't do a whole lot before I had a child and I didn't for some reason realize how difficult it was going to be physically and mentally. And I've, I've seen people do it all the time. I can do anything. Like I'm a professional athlete. You can definitely have a kid, you know, but the scheduling of things, like if I wanted to go work out, it means I have to leave him with someone. And that's really difficult to rely on someone all of the time. So mm-hmm. my mom, when my mom's here, I can easily just drop her off real quick, go work out, come back, pick him up. I never have to give her like a heads up. She's just always ready for it. But with anybody else, it's like, it's not even worth the effort to contact so-and-so to see if they can do it. And then tomorrow I have this that I need to do. So then I, maybe I can contact my in-laws and they could maybe watch them for like an hour. And then maybe my grandparents can watch them for a couple hours, you know, and Mm -hmm. like today it's a whole lot easier because he's potty trained. Like he's not going to just pee his pants and someone not know how to change his diaper or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. It's all these little things that I always had to worry about. And now the worst thing I have to worry about is he doesn't like eating food. Like I have to try and be creative to get him to eat food. But all of that to say, like, it's like a hundred extra things going on in your head that you never thought that you were ever going to have to worry about that. Like most of the time I wasn't even thinking about water skiing until I was like, Ooh, I'm skiing now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So in one sense, I feel like, it allowed me to enjoy the moment while I was skiing. Um, and I think there was a lot of merit to that, but other than, um, that like first year now it doesn't get any easier. I think I was like hanging on to the possibility that it's going to get easier next year, but it didn't because having a concussion just adds a whole nother layer of difficulty to your life. Like, I don't know where I put my kids shoes this morning. I don't know where like, my, I lost my passport this summer when I came to Canada, had no idea that I even brought it to Canada, 
came back to Florida, I figured I had left it here. You know, just this just adds another layer of mm -hmm. difficulty to my life to try and ski. And then now I start to feel like spaced out a little bit. So I almost feel like the concussion was even more complicated. But then that adds a layer of fear of, okay, I can't do that again because I can't afford it for my child and for my career, you know? So yeah, there's all these little things that just life is never going to stop. But I think that for me, it was important. It's important to kind of like make goals and like put lines in the sand to like, this is the next step of my life. For me, that works because I constantly have a hundred things that I'm juggling in the air, whether it's real estate, being a mom, skiing, being a wife, like being a wife and having a house is really yeah. hard work too. Mm -hmm. having a dog. And I mean, yeah. you're yeah, doing all the things. Everything is difficult. And I don't feel like I have my crap together whatsoever. Um, some people from the outside may think that it looks better than my real life is, but I mean, it's a struggle and I still do very much enjoy water skiing and I would never change anything about having my wonderful child. Like he's literally the joy of my life. So as difficult as it is, this is where we are and we kind of figure it out every day. Yeah. And I loved what I heard you say in one interview that it was such a joy being able to travel the world with him and compete with him that first year. And I was like, what a huge mindset thing, because, you know, I was thinking back how I would feel like you might think, oh, this is such a drag. This is so hard. I'm at such a disadvantage to my competitors. Mm -hmm. Like, again, that winner's mindset was like, this is such a joy and look at what we're doing together. But like total 180 concussions. I told you this morning, I'm still dealing with concussion yeah. symptoms and I'm like seven years out from my really traumatic concussion where I ended up in the hospital and it's, it is scary. And I think that what happened last week, being back at that place, you might not have had the results or the, I don't know, the weekend you wanted, but that's huge to go back there because for me too, I kept reliving it. I kept reliving yeah. the experience and watching your crash was like emotional for me growing up with you and then watching it and not knowing what was wrong with you and like seeing you try to come up for air. I mean, you're, you're face down in the water and yeah. you're trying to come up for air thinking that you're underwater, like your, your hands doing the motion to bring you up, but your hand is out of water. And yeah. like, for me, that was really scary. Like I was like, I need to talk to Whitney. I need to make sure she's okay. <laughs> like for me, but I think that Sometimes we set these goals that are like huge. I want to be an Olympian. I want to jump 200 feet that we miss the like little ones. Like you went back to that site. You got in the water. You had one amazing round, like one good round. Right. Yeah. And then it was like a tough weekend, but that's like, I think sometimes we look at injury and we're like the body, we need to heal the body. You know, we need to heal for my concussion. I was like, I need to heal this. I have this dizziness, this vestibular, these yeah. eye problems. Like I have these things happening and like, I'm super passionate about concussion stuff, but we never really talk about healing the brain. You know, like I was talking to a teammate the other day and we don't have a timeline for the brain, you know, and now adding in mom, like I can't do this again because I have a child at home, you know, it's, it's, I think it's huge what you did this weekend and not result wise, like as a person mentally getting through to the next step wise. And sometimes I remember the first time I did downhill, 
after I didn't do it very many times after I crashed, but after I crashed, it was in downhill and I had to come back and do downhill. And I was like, like, I felt like I had to like, I was going to have an accident and like poop my pants at the start because I was like, I am so terrified that this is going to yeah. happen again. Yeah. Um, so we sometimes miss those like small little things. Like it was huge that I did downhill that day afterwards. Yeah. And it was huge what you did this weekend, even though it feels like diminished and like not enough. Cause that's what society sometimes tells us, you know? Yeah. And I think some people forgot what I went through, like forgot last year. It's, a, it's like a significant part of my story, but for mm-hmm. someone else, they were like, Oh, we had the world championships here. We had some great success here, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the people who I said, I haven't skied here in a year, they knew what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And other people, when I said I had a huge hurdle to jump over this weekend, I had people like, Oh, what, what happened? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what happened, but I'm, I'm like praying for you or whatever. But I actually did call in prayer requests to my pastors this weekend because mm-hmm. <laughs> I skied at Jack's the day before the tournament. Just I'm like, I know I need to ski there. I did a whole bunch of 38 offs. I didn't even shorten the rope to 39 because I just wanted to see that buoy so many times at 38 because it's short enough, but not so short that it's like scary. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I just want to see that buoy a whole bunch of times so that I can get this out of my brain. And I did fall. I had one really bad flashback. I fell into the weeds. I like. I had a flashback, let go of the rope when I shouldn't have. And I ended up in the weeds <laughs> mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, well that's okay. And it, I didn't have any of my support people there, but I actually was happy that that happened because now I had two days to deal with it before the tournament. And then in the tournament, I think subconsciously, I told myself, obviously it was not on purpose, but I missed my first 39. And I think subconsciously, I didn't want to try 41 yet. I wasn't yeah. ready mm-hmm. in that first round. And in the second round, I had all of that information to like go on, plus the prayers. Plus I had like a really good friend text me that morning. She kind of checks in on me. She's a skier who comes to ski with us, but she like checks in on me like every Friday because she wants to see me like be super successful. And she said, just like God wants you to be successful and you've trained your whole life for this. And God will protect you. So that was like another layer. Like it just seemed like there were like little layers. And I was like, you know what? Like God didn't give me a fear, a a spirit of fear. He gave me, Mm -hmm. like he wants me to be courageous and he is going to keep me safe. And he is not going to give me the exact same outcome two years in a row. (laughs) Like like what? that was a one in a million. That's Mm -hmm. a once in a lifetime crash that I got to experience. Yes. So in in all of that, I was like, I will be safe. I will be fine. And in order to eliminate the fear, Will Asher actually drove the boat for me the day before he won the tournament in the men's side this weekend. And he's just had like the most incredible year, but he said, you can't cover a negative with a negative. He said, you can't not fear. And so that was super significant Mm -hmm. to me the day that I was practicing there. And he's not even on my team, you know, like he's on Jamie's team for sure. Team HO, team Jack Mm -hmm. Travers, like, but he's just like an amazing athlete and just said a statement to me that really, it was profound to me because I was like, you're right. What do I need to do in order to make sure that this is not going to happen? You know? So Mm -hmm. I had to fill the void of that fear. And I felt fear. You bet your butt when I was coming into 41, I felt fear. 
because that's the first time I had seen it in two years. And the outcome was the outcome I wanted a year ago. Exactly. <laughs> I wanted to get two last year. I wanted actually to get more, but, yeah. but I felt the fear and I did it anyway. And I told myself that as long as my chest is tall and I have a strong body position through the wake, I'm going to cast out at the ball. And then as long as I keep that chest tall, when I come through, the line's going to be there for me and I can, I'll be fine going to the second ball. And I think all of that going through my mind, I was like, it happened. I got like this really good connection out of one. And I was like, oh, I'm going to two and I'm on my ski. Like I could have turned that two ball on any other day, but that day it was like this huge accomplishment to cross those wakes to that two ball and to, you know, accomplish something that I needed to accomplish a year ago. But anyway, yeah. You found I your do, special sauce. But I do appreciate you recognizing that that was a huge um, step because for me, I went into that weekend thinking if I can run 39 and I don't end up winning or I don't end up like, that's what I'm here to accomplish. And Mm -hmm. I did that. And I think it's, for me, it's super easy to get caught up in that. And I, then I freaking messed it up with the three at 39 in the finals when it really matters. And that landed me in fourth, like who gets fourth, you know, but, but you still found that special sauce. You know, you still found it when you were, you were afraid and you felt the fear and you did it scared. You ran two at 41 scared, Mm -hmm. you know, that's like pretty incredible. And what, okay. So what role you've touched on it a little bit, but what role does faith have in your athletic journey then? Well, it has been definitely, I mean, it's a significant part of my life and it's, definitely been a journey. Like it has literally been, we've had our ups and downs of no, I can do it myself. No, you can't. And at this point in my life, I've realized that a lot of these down moments of my life are kind of God's seeking my attention to say, I can't do this by myself. There's no way I'm going to run 41 off by my own strength because it it literally has never been done before. So yes, I can put in the time on the water. Yes, I can train as hard as I can. Yes, I can get my brain mentally prepared. But to me, that flow state that you talked about, that I've experienced that in skiing too. I experienced it at the 2009 Worlds when I was falling. Um, I experienced it the whole, like a whole bunch of times the season of 2011 when I was undefeated in slalom. Um, there's like a whole bunch of times in my career that have felt that flow state moment that I almost feel out of control. It's an out of body experience for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's my moment that I feel God is like the spirit of the Lord is I'm so connected that there's nothing can go wrong. Like literally that to me is when like the best happens and Mm -hmm maybe the flow state is something that people can capture and relive. But to me, it's like living in the moment. And I would love to experience that every single day when I'm skiing. I don't know how to, but I try to welcome God to in to my life. Every time I ski, I can't say every single day that I ski, I'm welcoming his spirit, but I do feel that God is love. God is power. And those are the two things that are most significant to me when I am skiing, like if I feel complete love and I feel power, that's the, that's God living through me. So I am like doing what God wants me to do. And I try to just 
I want to give him glory, but I also have this like struggle of wanting glory, I guess, Mm -hmm. for myself. I want to be the best water skier that there ever was, but for what reason? And I think through having a kid and being at this side of my career, and I'm watching some of my friends retire and very quickly become, oh, who's Natalia Bernikava? Mm -hmm. You know, she's like literally one of the absolute best skiers that ever skied. Even just into Carol, she just jumped 200 feet last year. And like, you could ask kids next year, they wouldn't know she is because she hasn't been around now, you know, like how quickly we become so insignificant in this sport that we've spent our whole entire lives chasing. We have put it up on a pinnacle. It has been our God, you know, and that's not what God called us to. He calls us to be the best that we can be in everything that we do. When we eat, when we drink, when we're like lying down, when we're working, he calls us to do it all for his glory. And it's hard to do that. It really is hard to not want to do it myself. But I think all these moments have led me to accept that, okay, I have tried it a million different ways. I've been trying to run 41 for how many years I've been kind of capable of it for however many years, but I clearly can't do it. I try and win. I try and do this, but he just keeps calling me back. And there's also moments of frustration that I'm like, yeah, but so-and-so doesn't have a relationship with you, but she's like super successful Mm -hmm. and win. And so it is definitely, there's a battle and there's a struggle, but at the end of the day, I know that God is real. I know Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I know that everything I do here is supposed to glorify him and point other people to him. So I know that truth, whether I live it every single day or not is a different story, but that's the goal. Yeah. And I remember when I was younger, I was like, oh, please let me do well. You know, like, please mm-hmm. let me win. And then my yeah. grandma said something and she's like, I've been praying for you, like whatever God's will is, but that yep. you're kept safe, but whatever God's will is. And I remember the day that I won, I was standing in the start and I was like nervous, but excited. Like you said, I was kind of like, I deserve to be here, which is the first time I ever thought that, but also like, oh my gosh. But I remember saying a little prayer and I was like, just be with me. Like, you know, like the walking in the sand and like, it was then that I carried you. I'm like, just like walk beside me down this run. Um, Or carry me. Or carry me. (laughs) I think that day I was carried. I think that day I was carried because I've for sure been walked down every run, but Mm -hmm. that day, and I've prayed the same prayer other days and you know, it hasn't worked. It's not saying that this is like the prayer that works. It's just saying that that day I was like, I need someone like this is, this is what I felt in my career. Like just walk, walk beside me, you know, like be there with me and like carry me sometimes. And sometimes I needed to be carried, but it's interesting because like you said, you can't do it every day. Like we can't be amazing people every day. We can't, and we can't, I I think I kind of got lost too in, in focusing so much on the career part, so much on achieving the goal and also a little bit lost in like, is this what I'm called to do? You know, it's mm. like skiing, all signs point to yes, but like for how long to what, like, what is my purpose? And I kept going back to that. What is my purpose? Like, what is my purpose for being here, being a skier? Like, is it to motivate and inspire? If that's the case, I need to do better work. Is it to, you know, be amazing? But as you said, legacies live so long, I think, you know, like the legacy lives forever. But like you said, sometimes the name, like soon, no one will know who I am in the skiing world, 
but hopefully I left a legacy in like a little girl's heart that they're like, I started ski exactly. racing because of Erin, or I remember how she made me feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I focused more on as I got older. Cause I'm like, I'm not doing a good enough job at that. You know, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not doing a good enough job of, of making people feel they remember they, you remember how you, someone made you feel. So that's yes. kind of where I'm like, so what's your favorite Bible verse? Right now I'm on, I've gone through lots of favorites, but right now I like first Corinthians 13, 13 faith, hope, and love will, but the greatest of these will remain, but the greatest of these is love. And so for me, that is kind of the story of like my life. I, I want to be loved. I want to love people. And when I um, started going to my church, my pastor actually said like, you can love people who like don't deserve to be loved. Basically. Like he was saying like your ability to forgive people is like insane. And he said, you've taught me a little bit more about forgiveness. And um, like, to me, it's not, I don't love, love is just like the universal language. Like everyone's, everyone can receive it. Everyone can feel it, whether they can receive it or not. So for me, the most important thing is to, to love people everywhere you go because God is love. And I am, I'm here to like shine that light everywhere that I go. Like that's my goal. And it hasn't always been that way. I mean, I know when I was young, I was not the nicest person. And I think that we kind of are um, creatures of our, the people who raise us, you know, like, I don't want to say my parents were monsters by any means, but they raised me to be a certain way. And that was not to be the nicest person in the world, you know? And so my husband, on the other hand, is in the, in the like world of making the best humans that he can possibly help to create. So mm-hmm. whether it's his children or every person who comes through the ski school, That's he's so like, true. absolutely incredible at making amazing humans. And mm-hmm. he has done a number on me. He has definitely helped me to be a better person. And I'm super thankful for that because I know this is where like my journey was supposed to go. Like it's kind of come full circle from me being like this crazy savage competitor to now literally people can um, say, Oh, so-and-so doesn't like me. So-and-so doesn't like me. And I'm like, Oh, I don't know if they don't like me or not, but like, I don't give them a chance to be mean to me. Like I smile at them. I compliment them. And actually, I don't know if it was last year or two years ago, there's one guy who I swear he doesn't like me because he always seems to like bash me and like throw darts at me. But I gave him a compliment after he skied one day and he goes, why are you so nice to me? Like he was actually (laughs) mad that I complimented him. He's like, why are you so nice? And I was like, um, I don't know. Like I just try and find the good in everybody and try and like share that news with them. And like I said, I haven't always been that way, but I think that is something that God has called me to because I'm just so attracted to the idea of love. I've always like, yeah, that's true. I, I tell people I love you all the time. Like my mom, I probably used to tell her I love her like a hundred times a day. And now Matt and Zane get told that they, I love them a hundred times a day. Like, but I, that to me is like super important. And so that part of my faith really works for me. And whether I'm discipling the most amount of people or not, to me, it comes down to the like minute little moments where like when my best friend is struggling, I'm there for her like a hundred percent. And 
yeah, just being able to see the good in people and, and stuff. I feel that's very important. Yeah. And I try to get curious too. Like, why would someone treat me this way? Like, not necessarily something I've done sometimes, but like, what are they going through that makes them have that reaction? Yeah. Okay. I have one thing that I'm wondering because Lenny and I were talking about it. So between Lenny and I, we have six Olympics and 10 world cup medals, but we're like, when we have children, are they going to feel the need to fill that? You know, are they going to feel that we have expectations that they like sports, that they go to the Olympics? And if they go to the Olympics, are they going to feel like they're not good enough unless they do two or four or win medals? And we're talking about this with a, a volleyball coach. And I was like, I've never thought about it that way, that before they're born, do we place those expectations? But do you, have you ever thought about that? Or do you have a plan for Zane with skiing? No. I definitely wanted him to ski early. And so he has skied. He skis a lot, um, but not like he's not training yet. Like he yeah. hasn't got the pull of the boat in his hands yet. But there it is like part of me wants him to be a successful skier. I want him to have the opportunity, but I don't want him to feel like that's the only option. We want to give him we want to make him like the best athlete. We also want to make him like the smartest he can be. I have tried to give him the most musical ability that I can't, but I have zero musical ability. (laughs) Um, I've tried to like, overall, I just want him to be the best human that he can be. And I do believe it will take him in a direction that like any dream that he wants, he can accomplish. That's what I want him to believe. I don't want him to feel fear. I've like pretty much told Matt, fear is not a word in our house. I'm not afraid of the dark. I'm not afraid of spiders. I'm not afraid Mm. of, um snakes we get to explore safely everything you're not afraid of heights because matt is terrified of heights but i'm like no we're not afraid of heights we explore heights safely and we explore ants they can bite you yes that hurts or a a wasp they can bite you but you can still look at it and you know the dangers of it but we're not going to be afraid of anything like that's kind of my my goal for him like he jumps off of our our dock it's like 10 feet up from the water and he jumps off of that with his sister and with Joel at our lake. I, I don't like doing it because I don't like getting the water at my nose, whatever. But I'm not going to tell him he can't do it because it's scary or he's not big enough or whatever. Like, I want him to be able to do scary things. So for me, it's just setting him up for success and then allowing him the opportunity to explore whatever he wants to. And he will in, he will be successful. Wow, be I just got shivers. Like, what a way to end. What a, Like, mic drop. Brittany McClintock Greeny, folks. Um, this has been such a joy for me, honestly, such a joy. And I've learned a lot. And I say sometimes I wish I learned these lessons when I was competing, but it's so nice to reconnect. It's so nice to do it this way. Let's do it again. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm so thankful for your friendship and for you being there through all of our teenage weird years. So thank you. And um, (laughs) and I've loved following your journey and I will love to follow it from now. I love following your career too. And I love following you. And I'm actually very happy that you're not chasing the snow anymore so that maybe we can bump into each other a little bit more often. Yeah, that'd be amazing. I can't wait. (laughs) Which happened this year and you're my biggest cheerleader to try water skiing again. And I couldn't get the smile off of my face, which I didn't think would happen. So thank you. Thanks everyone for listening and um, see you next time. Thank you for listening to Unspoken Bravery. My goal with this podcast is to connect with you through real life experiences. 
So I would love to hear from you. A hello, feedback, future ideas, you name it. You can reach me on my Instagram account at Erin Melzinski or head to my website, erinmelzinski.com. If you like the podcast, please share, review, and subscribe. I hope to see you back here to uncover your own hidden superhero. Superhero.